the first three Brahma Viharas that we've talked about up to now, uh, they involve a lot of uh, wishing and intending um, in this process of either connecting with other beings or even with radiating. And sometimes uh, we aren't actually relating in in that kind of way. It's not maybe it's not appropriate for the situation. Um, so there is also a place within these heart qualities to be a little bit less uh, directive, if you will. So um, the heart that is resting at ease with what is, is inclining toward equanimity, the fourth of the Brahma-viharas. So another nice thing about equanimity is that it undermines the subtle tendency we often have to practice for our personal preferences. So equanimity accepts that things are as they are, uh, not as we wish them to be in all aspects of that, including our views about how we wish things would be. So I have a lot of confidence that in just uh, letting the practice work on our heart and mind, it will bring them naturally into balance, and in doing so, it will definitely uproot suffering. And equanimity is a really, is a key piece of that. It's an indispensable piece of that. And as sometimes people are a little skeptical about equanimity, or they, um, they either think they don't really want something like that, or sometimes they do, but they think they can't have something like that. And um, rest assured that um, it's fine. Uh, in fact, it will come as we practice it. And for those who are a little skeptical, it's uh, actually quite a relief to just be with what is without a lot of uh, thinking about it. So with that, um, why don't we go ahead and get started with sitting. So finding a sitting posture, letting yourself settle in. If you're just arriving, uh, letting yourself arrive. Maybe taking a long, slow, deep breath as you connect in and find your sitting spot. Closing the eyes if that feels comfortable. And first sensing the place where you're sitting. So your seat against the cushion or the chair or the bed and your legs or feet in some symmetrical resting posture and just letting yourself feel the support of what is supporting you. As you slowly relax into that, finding a sense of a balanced posture, so the sense that you're not 
needing to use very many muscles to hold yourself up and yet you are straight softening into this posture, so softening the eyes and the eye sockets. Softening the face, all the little muscles on the scalp. muscles in the throat, and down into the shoulders, the arms, inviting some ease. to the chest area, the location of the heart, and just inviting any ease that's possible there also. As you breathe in and out, you may wish to imagine breathing in the front and maybe even breathing in the back through the center of the shoulder blades. Or if that's unusual, then just imagining that the air going into the lungs is flowing around the heart. to the belly area, softening anything that can be softened. through the hip joints and the legs releasing any habitual bracing and all the way down into the feet body that has some degree of ease is more receptive 
to meeting experience as it is. Notice also the general state of the mind. Noticing if it's a little sleepy or dull, or if it's energized, maybe a little agitated or worried. relatively balanced. Just knowing how it is is fine. Being aware if there are any emotions present or anything else rippling through the mind. So already this checking in with the body and the mind gives us a foundation of basic friendliness to how we are right now. So we can just amplify that a bit with the intention, basic intention of metta or goodwill toward our own experience. Not so much about a being, but about each experience that comes in, just meeting it like a guest at the door. our imagination a little bit to fill out uh, the state of the mind so we can bring up our understanding that there is suffering in the world this is the first noble truth there is suffering there are beings suffering, we may have some ourselves. It's just 
built into this human condition. And it's quite natural for the heart to open to compassion. with the correct understanding that there is suffering. understand also equally correctly that there is great goodness in the world. At this very moment there are many acts of generosity happening. There's joy, there's integrity, there's love, there are people meditating all over the world. quite natural to feel some appreciation for this mudita is quite natural. For the, the richness of this world. Letting that touch our heart, the kind of warmth, maybe a little smile. And as we open the mind to all of it, suffering, the joy, the ups and downs, the living and the dying. See the big picture. We see it's just the universe doing its thing. We can hold all of this manifestation, painful, pleasant, confusing, enlightening. All of it can touch our mind and our heart, just as it is. this has been going on for a long time before we were here and it will go on for a long time after this body is gone the suttas say 
eons of world expansion, eons of world contraction. And the heart opens to equanimity, things as they are. can sit in the very center of this wise understanding imagining the heart as a little light but it's not producing the radiation it reflects the truth the way the full moon is only bright because it is reflecting light. Simple, pure white glow of the moon is our radiation, if you will, of equanimity. Sense it in the center of the chest. Diffusing its light outward into the universe. Because we are aligned with how things are. radiates in front, to the right, to the back, to the left, above and below, this gentle simple white light of the moon passing through our skin out into the universe.
feeling the ease and the restfulness of equanimity. And then gently releasing the image of the moon, the reflective radiation, just in a gentle way and allowing it to naturally subside. Coming back toward the experience of your body sitting. Feeling it resting on the cushion or the chair.
body and mind are one little strand of this whole universe. An important one, each piece is what makes the whole what it is. But this is our piece, the body and mind that we work with. We have some choices about how we manifest that flow. Recognize that that's true for others also. And how their little flow goes has mostly to do with their choices and not as much upon our wishes for them. something restful about that too. So sitting in the specificity of our own flow of body and mind, noticing the changing conditions coming in, going out. Letting go.
equanimity or upekka in Pali is considered quite a refined state when it is in lists it tends to come at the end and it's even been called the crown jewel of mindfulness practice so something that we arrive at when all the conditions are coming together I was reflecting on equanimity today and I thought about a um, a project I'm currently working on with a friend where uh, it took us I don't know at least two years to get funding for this um, project that we're trying to do and then when we finally did um, it was literally a couple of weeks before COVID began (laughs) and so as soon as we had the funding there was no possibility of doing what we had originally wanted to do and then um, we kept hoping maybe for the summer but you know we didn't understand how long this was going to be and so that didn't work out so we did kind of a substitute online in the fall but it wasn't the same and now it's finally rolled around to the next year and it turns out that we will we we were getting ready to do it in person but half the people had dropped away (laughs) because um, their lives had moved on to other things so we had a very hard time getting everything to line up all at the same time and it's taken a lot of effort to kind of try to keep all this together and steward it forward through all the external and internal conditions that are going on but I realized um, that and it still hasn't happened yet but I realized that if um, if it were in fact after all of that effort not to be able to come to fruition there would be no suffering on my part Um, I've just um, surrendered to the process and it'll be what it is it'll be good if it happens and if it doesn't that's okay Um, I still believe in what it was that we wanted to do but um, there it is so you can see that there's a difference between equanimity and indifference so with equanimity a person is still putting in effort Um, they still value the result that's being worked toward but there aren't any of the attached emotions that would cause suffering if the result didn't come about so this might be very interesting guidance for those of us who are attempting to do things in the world especially uh, good things trying to create change trying to um, bring about um, values that we want to see in the world is there a way that we could put all the effort in pour our heart into it care about the result but have no suffering if it didn't come about that is what equanimous compassionate action is it can be done but it takes some practice takes some refining of the heart
And we learn by suffering through that. So there are various flavors of equanimity. It's one of these multifaceted uh, qualities of mind because it's so important. And the, the Buddha talked about many different kinds, but I'll just name a few. There is the Brahma-vihara that we're talking about. Um, all of the Brahma-viharas are based on the foundational quality of metta. Of good, I like goodwill, but we could also say love or loving-kindness. And so then that means that as a Brahma-vihara, equanimity is a form of love. And some people say, well, how can that be? That doesn't sound, they don't sound the same. But we could um, maybe think of it as a love of truth, a love of how things actually are. Why would we want things to be any other way than they are? So we love that. And then equanimity is also a factor of awakening. It's the, of the seven factors of awakening, it's the seventh, the, the crown jewel, if you will. And it's a deep steadiness and non-entanglement of the mind. The mind has become so stable in the face of changing experience that it can see clearly what the alternative is to changing experience. So it can find, can see what is not changing. That's harder to do when we're reacting in any way. And then equanimity is also what comes forth when the mind is getting into deeper levels of samadhi. Now at the beginning we have the tranquility and the steadiness and then there's a lot of um, joy and happiness that come with a settled mind. Probably some of you have experienced that. Or even more mundanely, the happiness of a flow state, for example, is related. But when that goes even deeper, what comes forth is equanimity. All that happiness and joy start to feel a little too agitating, and we get the deep settling of equanimity in the samadhi states. There is a sutta, there are many suttas where the Buddha talks about this, but there's one in particular where he's talking about cultivating a, a mind with this kind of steadiness or steadfastness. And he's, he's talking to his son uh, Rahula, and he's learning, he's encouraging him to learn to sit calmly in the face of strong feelings. And so he uses the analogy of the earth, it's quoted fairly often. He says, Rahula, develop meditation that is like the earth. For when you develop meditation that is like the earth, arisen agreeable and disagreeable contacts will not invade your mind and remain. Just as people throw clean things and dirty things, excrement, urine, spittle, pus, and blood on the earth, and the earth is not repelled, humiliated, and disgusted because of that, so too develop meditation that is like the earth. For when you develop meditation that is like earth, arisen, agreeable, and disagreeable contacts will not invade your mind and remain. So there's a way in which equanimity uh, 
It's what helps us stay steady or steadfast when the things that come up in meditation come up. All kinds of things come up in meditation. I use the earth because that's in the sutta, but the sutta goes on to offer other the other elements also, so we could make our mind like water or like fire or air or even space if that feels more compatible in a certain circumstance. So that this is a cushion cultivation, um, but I think I've seen in my own practice that it leads to greater stability off the cushion also. So learning to sit with these elements ideas of elements just being unchanging in the face of pleasant and unpleasant experience um, can be very directly applicable out in the world also. And then um, equanimity is also the state of mind or quality where the heart and the mind display their harmony most directly. So now coming into the theme of the retreat of heart and mind in harmony, uh, equanimity is a place where those two come together, like maybe like two rivers, a confluence of two great rivers. And I want to just read some, um, some sections from uh, a piece by Jnanaponika Tara, one of the um, Thai forest monks. No, I guess he was Sri Lankan. Um, he was practicing in Sri Lanka. He wrote on the interrelations of the four sublime states. So these are, you know, he's referring to the four Brahma Viharas that we've been practicing with this week. But he talks about how they mutually interact and strengthen each other. So, love imparts to equanimity its selflessness, its boundless nature, and even its fervor. For fervor, too, transformed and controlled, is part of perfect equanimity, strengthening its power of keen penetration and wise restraint. Compassion guards equanimity from falling into a cold indifference and keeps it from indolent or selfish isolation. Sympathetic joy gives to equanimity the mild serenity that softens its stern appearance. It is the divine smile on the face of the enlightened one, a smile that persists in spite of his deep understanding of the world's suffering. Equanimity rooted in insight is the guiding and restraining power for the other three sublime states. It points out to them the direction they have to take and sees to it that this direction is followed. Equanimity guards love and compassion from being dissipated in vain quests and from going astray in the labyrinths of uncontrolled emotion. Equanimity, being a vigilant self-control for the sake of the final goal, does not allow sympathetic joy to rest content with humble results, 
forgetting the real aims we are striving for. In these and other ways, equanimity may be said to be the crown and culmination of the other three sublime states. It is the firm and balanced character of a person that knits isolated virtues into an organic and harmonious whole within which the single qualities exhibit their best manifestations. So I find this quite eloquent. And, you know, these states really connect with each other and reinforce each other and put the mind into a state of connection, balance, and dare I say purity, purification, such that it can take the dye evenly. It takes in the Dharma. So that's what we'll explore more tomorrow. It's the realizations that can come from a mind that is balanced in this way. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.